Hi there, welcome back to First Gen Friends. In this episode, I sit down with Anthony, a multi-talented artist who wears many hats in the entertainment industry. He is a first-generation Colombian-American who has made a name for himself as an actor, editor, director, and much more. With his diverse skill set and passion for storytelling, Anthony has worked on a wide variety of projects, and he's also creating space for other Latino creators. You'll get to know Anthony and hear more about his journey as an artist, both the good and the bad, and how one little incident changed his whole perspective. Yes, this is another John Leguizamo-inspired story. Can't wait for you guys to listen. This is Anthony. Anthony, welcome to First Gen Friends. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> He's here. Happy to be here. He's here. <laughs> I like to start from the beginning when it comes to your story because I feel like it's so important to honor our parents because without yes. them making these sacrifices, you and I would not be here. So my favorite way to start is tell me about where your parents are from, the story mm-hmm. of how they got here, and then where <laughs> you bro- where you grew up. <laughs> It was a hot summer day. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my parents both are from Cali, Colombia. And um, they both, my dad came here to New York before my mom did. And um, he came here, very quick story, my dad. My dad was supposed to be on like the all Colombian soccer team. And he busted his knee, hitting the pole, the goalpost, and it ended his career thus changing his entire trajectory of his life. Like he was supposed to be going into sports, soccer and all that stuff. And because of that event, he then just went to become a blue collar worker. And so he started in Colombia working as a mechanic, worked his way up, and then just decided to one day leave and come to New York. And he basically did the same thing. He started out as a mechanic for this food company, this big food company, and then became like the the manager of all the other mechanics there. And um, one day in Queens, he met this woman who was uh, studying abroad uh, from Colombia in New York. And thus my parents met here and uh, started a life in the Bronx. It's funny because they both, uh, they, Queens is big here in New York as like the big like Colombian, like little Colombia, but they both ended up in the Bronx, which at the time was like, huge Puerto Rican uh, population. And so when my mom came here, my dad came here, most of their friends were Puerto Rican. And so me growing up and my sister growing up, most of the friends that we met first or most of our like idea of adults talking Spanish was Puerto Rican and even some Mexican and Dominican. It wasn't until later on when we met our, um, really started to hang out with our family that we were like, oh, there's a Colombian accent. And my mom, my mom lost her accent. And even that was kind of weird because when she had talked back to her family, they're like, what happened to your accent? Like your accent is so neutral now. It was crazy. Like we just grew up with this kind of even smaller melting pot. Like Bronx in itself was a melting pot of like so many different nationalities, but even smaller of like Hispanic, you know, Puerto Rican, Dominican, and a little bit of, of Colombian from my, you know, from my parents. And so growing up, I had this almost neutral Spanish accent when I spoke Spanish, where people didn't really know where I was from. Like, they're like, you're Spanish, but 
what is this plain <laughs> <laughs> textbook like Spanish that you're speaking? Like it was so it was so weird to to certain people. Like they're like I I could not get that you were Colombian. I'm shocked that you didn't take on the Dominican Puerto Rican accent. It comes out from time to time. Okay. It depends. Like it comes out, but normally it just it's just very neutral, which helps me out in my career now when I'm doing voiceover because they want sometimes neutral. Yeah. But from from time to time, it'll come out and people are like, ah, Puerto Rican. No, Colombian. Huh? Ah, Dominican. No, Colombian. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Also, I feel like when you were telling that story about your parents, I'm like, I, this needs to be a movie. Like that just, <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> like you could just see it like a hot summer day. Like your dad's like. My dad ready to shoot the final score to become the next level of Colombian soccer team. And then, no, my leg. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really incredible, that story. And the fact that they, I'm sure, connected on their Colombian roots and oh, found yeah. each other, you know, that was probably huge, especially back then. You kind of mm -hmm. marry your culture because it's just the easier culture. that way, right? Definitely. Um, so that's really cool. So then you and your sister spoke Spanish first. They, and it's funny because I don't know if uh, they did this on purpose or they just because their, their Spanish was just something that they spoke more of. Um, we, we, that's mostly what we spoke in the house was just Spanish. And so my first kind of um, uh, intro to language was Spanish. And then little by little, as I'm watching like Sesame Street and all these English speaking uh, shows growing up I'm like oh okay there's another language or there's another set of things that I have to learn yeah and I think even more so when my grandma there was a time when my grandma came to live with us and she only spoke like my parents spoke English but you know they, they can pass spa speaking English but my grandma was like straight up like I don't know English I'll never learn English <laughs> my so grandma's that way Spanish. too <laughs> she's like no and she was there for like 15 years and people like did she learn English like nope she nope. refuses. Refuse. She will like, not assimilate. Not at all. Anytime we got a phone call, she's just handing us the phone like, I don't want to learn this language. <laughs> you take it. I, I don't know who's talking. I don't know what's going on. So through her, it was like, you have to learn Spanish. And so I, I learned yeah. Spanish definitely because of her. And, and, and I think even through her, because she was watching a lot of like, telenovelas yeah. and um, a lot of just Spanish like Cantiflas who to me uh, growing up like that was the first like when we think at least for me my inspiration for comedy was that because that's all she watched was like his movies and so yeah. growing up I'm watching this person and, and it's just so funny and then he, it's Spanish and then growing up later I'm like oh that's interesting that that was like before anything else that was my intro and so yeah she definitely helped me like be like, no, no, you're going to learn Spanish. So. Yeah. My grandma's the same way now where if, when I go to El Salvador, she's like, what? You know, like I'll try to say something in English. I'm like, she has to know what this means. She's like, no. <laughs> like, nope. Spanish only. Spanish only. <laughs> I think she only knew one second because that's how, how much she figured she needed to tell somebody on the phone to hold. She's like, one yeah. second, one second, one second. And yeah. that was. Even on the street, they're like, Miss, how do you, one second, one second, Anthony, uh, translate. <laughs> okay, so she did get by. That's good for her. Yeah. <laughs> you, you grew up in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. The community that you were surrounded by was your culture. They were your people. You, I assume you felt that you fit in and there wasn't any kind of 
you know, isolation or because of your culture, they, they took you in. Definitely. Definitely. I think, again, I think because it was such at the time, such like a mix of everything, it was, um, I think everybody was just kind of trying to belong, I guess, with each other. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and we're all just kind of here. So let's just figure this out. And, And that's how much, that's really what it was. Like for the most part, everybody just kept saying like, well, in my parents' country, they do this. And, you know, at home we do this and everybody just kind of you know, absorbing that information, especially growing up. Like I had a lot of friends who were Irish, Jamaican, Spanish, Indian. And so there was a lot of, especially in school, there was just a a ton of different cultures to learn from. Yeah. And like everyone sharing their culture in a safe space, which is really beautiful. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It was, it was definitely a lot. And and then even again, even with, with Spanish, it was, it was like a lot of people just, I mean, to be honest, like growing up, especially as, as, as a boy at that time, it's just like every macho kid is like, no, Puerto Rican, you know, is better. And like, no, Dominican is better. No, Mexican is better. So everybody's yeah. just like trying to outshine with their, <laughs> with their, you know, like, no, we do this. No, we do that. So in yeah. a way, that was like the aggressive way to learn other people's culture. It was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Even, even being Salvadorian, like I felt like in Hispanic culture, I was still the odd man out because everyone is Dominican or everyone is Puerto Rican. Mm. And like I was the only Salvadorian. So even they were kind of, you know, discriminating against me because of my culture. So I, I felt really weird between this predominantly white world but also Mm. the five people that were latin they were dominican so i couldn't even fit in there so it was like okay where do i belong you know yeah so definitely different vibe than what you had (laughs) which is why i'm like they were sharing their culture and it was nice yeah i mean yeah some some most of it was nice but again there there were other times where it was just like you're not part of it yeah i kind of felt that at times yeah sure it was it was kind of there but yeah for the most part it was like just not as aggressive (laughs) just not as aggressive yeah (laughs) was there a time when you did feel different at all was that later on in life yeah i would say there's like two instances i can remember um the first one was actually when i was younger when we when we left the city because you know i was a city kid i was always in the city and then at some point my parents became very like heavily involved in, in in religion and christianity and they had like this kind of like uh retreat in Virginia and that was the first time that I was outside of New York City and I'm like okay it's just like the city and we got there and it was just like everybody was white like everybody every store you went to every house we visited it was like I was like oh wow this is different and I remember one day it was me and a friend of mine we went into a store and the the people were just looking at us and following us and doing all these things. And I'm just like, this is kind of creepy. And they kept asking if we wanted to buy anything and, you know, checking, like not physically checking our pockets, but like with their eyes. And at that point I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. So. And your kids. Yeah. And we're like, we had to have been like 10 or 11 and it was, it, you could definitely feel, I was like, this doesn't just, this doesn't feel right. Something about this just doesn't feel right. And yeah. when I told my parents that, and, you know, they kind of had that conversation where like, yeah, you know, there's some parts in these places where 
you know, people don't see many people that look like us or talk like us. So it's not like New York City. So just kind of be mindful of that. And there were parts, obviously, that there were opposite of that. People were very welcoming. But just to have that experience was like an eye-opening experience. Where I was like, oh, oh, okay. Wow. Th- New York is not everywhere. <laughs> or the world is not like New York City. Like New York City, it's yeah. different, yeah. <laughs> so that one, as, as a child, and then growing up, it was probably, I would say, when I was um, trying to work my way into, into you know, the entertainment industry as an editor, there was a time where I was, especially in the beginning, because um, I had always been on set. And on set, there were like everybody. It was just like any type of people you look for, they're there. But it wasn't until I got into like the offices. Then I'm like, oh, oh, wow. Like, it's just me. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just me. Everybody else is pretty much, you know, either they're white or they're, um, they've worked with even just them working with each other before. And then me being the new guy in, and I, and it, I think it just added more that I was just like, I, I felt like there's no one here that I can connect to quickly like I could before, where it was like, hey, Spanish, Spanish, hey. And then there was none of that there. So, I mean, it was still nice and I still met people, but it wasn't until like I saw my first other video editor that was Spanish and I was like, okay, all right, there's another... <laughs> There's another person here that I can talk to, and maybe we might some find some similarities. Um, but that was the other the other thing where I was it was kind of eye opening to just see like, oh hey, there's not that many on this side. Like there's there's there wasn't that many on the on the on set side, but even more so going into post production. Like oh okay yeah, there, there's there's not much. So do you, do you feel like that situation inspired what you do now? Oh, for sure. I think, and it's funny because growing up, I was kind of trying to figure out a way how to help that situation out. I didn't, I didn't know it was a situation until later, but at the same time, that's where I met Mike Wambago. And it was like him and me meeting at the right time because his world was all about that. And then he brings me along and he's like, hey, I'm starting these meetup uh, parties where it's like other Latino creators and come to the Heights where it's like super, (laughs) super Latino, super Dominican. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is so cool that that there that there's this community of creative people and we can kind of come together and we can do things. We can put things out there and put ourselves in these positions and it was so cool. And and when I got to those positions, as I was a video editor and as I was doing other things, I was like, great. There's a there's now kind of a, a little mission in my head seeing this. And there's an outlet now with Mike that I can directly do that, that I can write stuff with him and get more Latino creators involved. And so that really fueled that kind of like thought and that passion to be like, hey, this is we can do this. Like this is a thing that we can actually uh, make bigger. And so it, it really came out at like the perfect time. Anything that your parents did, did that inspire an American dream for you? I think so. I think they definitely wanted that American dream, right? Like the house, owning the house, making a good wage, having a family and just seeing them strive for that. I was just like, okay, that's, I guess that's the goal, right? That's the American dream. So they definitely did inspire that in me to just have that as a goal growing up, just because just seeing them working hard and 
just kind of living living to live up to that dream was something that I'm like, okay, I guess that's that's what I need to do. That's what I have to do because they're they put so much importance on that. Do you think that dream has changed for you now? <laughs> for sure. I think even being like in the creative field is like they kind of tell you. I mean, I I don't it's weird because like some of them be like, "Hey, you can still achieve that achieve that American dream. You're just a creative now." And then there's other creatives that are like, "You're going to live a life of disappointment. Just have a thick skin because you're going to get a lot of rejection. You may not make a lot of money. This is all passion." And so kind of having both of that and then living through some of that it kind of changed perspective of like well what is my life and what is what is it that would fulfill me because the dream itself is a fulfillment right and to my parents that was their fulfillment that's why they left their country right it's like that's part of their goal and so for me yeah. living that life it was like well i kind of live a different life than they did so my goal kind of changed because my experience was different especially during during adulthood so i was like you know what i think i think my dream is like feeling fulfilled and working towards something that will kind of make me happy and if that is the house sure that's like a part of it but it's not the the end all be all like there's mm-hmm. something more more than than that at least just to me because um again like being creative there's usually there's something else that you kind of want to do before you even think about like like the the house and everything is like a bonus, right? It's like, yeah, I want the house, I want that, sure, I want that. Um, but I think for me, it's a little different now. I don't, I don't think it's 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 just that, or that is the ultimate thing. Mine's changed as well, and I feel like anytime I ask that question, mm-hmm. the first answer is like the house, the family, the fence, <laughs> the near, you know, like. Yeah. And then when you get older, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> What the fuck was that dream? <laughs> like, what kind of video game thing? Like, it's just... <laughs> when you think about the people that you looked up to when you were younger versus mm. the people that you look up to now, is it very different or is it still the same? I think it's I think it's both, right? I, I think there's similar people that I look up to. Um, Obviously, the people that I was around was like my, my mom and dad and, and and my dad especially inspired me um just because he was a very or is he's is a very positive person and so I, I i looked up to him because there were there were a lot of times especially with just in life in general that he's been able to kind of put a positive twist on things and and kind of figure out a way to remain uh, optimistic um and so growing up that was like the first thing that I was just like yeah I want to do that like that's that seems like a good trait to have in a in a world that may may not be as as optimistic at times um but then like for career or even just like passion wise like growing up it was like comedy like something something about comedy I was always drawn to and so like my first people that I looked up to or inspiration for me was like like again, Cantiflas, because uh, I saw him so much, even Lucille Ball, like people that comedy wise can make you laugh with a look. Like they didn't even have to say anything. And I thought Just that. Just react. That, oh, I thought that that was so cool. And I, I wanted to do that so bad. And so every time I would watch her show or every time I watch his film, I would be like, what is, what is so funny about this look, this trip, this something there's something there so i strive to do that and then 
later on when, you know, obviously you get older and I really started to think about my career and, and going back to what you were saying about just like, um, you know, kind of seeing how um, the opportunities weren't there for as much for Latinos. I was like, well, how can I kind of make my own? And somebody like John Lequizamo or Robert Rodriguez, where they took their own stuff and was just like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to make my own thing. And and in doing so, inspired people or helped other people and kind of made their own way. And I, I wanted that. I was like, that seems cool. Like you can you can kind of make your own thing and, and let that be the thing that you do. And I wanted that. Like I was like, yes, that's that sounds cool. So they they definitely inspire me and even continue to inspire me. People people like that. So you're the third person who has brought up John Luguzamo, who's <laughs> in the entertainment industry as a Latin man. Oh, just being inspired by him, which is really cool. Huge. It's like, it's so funny because my friend had introduced me to him and I, and I, I, I kind of liken it to like an older brother doing silly shit on TV and getting paid to do it. Cause I'm like, this dude is just like, he's doing all these things. It's super funny. And he's just being himself. Like how, how is this possible? How can you do this? And he's talking to like, in Spanish accents and saying stuff that we hear every day and people are eating this up. So um, he even inspired me to get like my first ever audition um, that I ever got, like my first big audition that I really wasn't ready for, but I got anyway by chance. Um, I, I saw one of Tell me more like, about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was... I was in the beginning of, of like my acting journey, right? So I it was like college, whatever. I'm watching um, Mambo Mouth or I forget which one it is, but I was watching and I'm like, man, like one day, one day. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't I look at who produced this? Like obviously somebody gave him a chance. Somebody gave him money to do this show. And so I looked at the credits. I was like, oh, Martin Bregman. Okay. And then this is like at the beginning of IMDb. And so they had like his name, a number and an address, which I was like, that's, that's crazy that they have that on there, but sure. I'll, I'll, I don't want to call, but I'll write, I'll write a letter. So I wrote a handwritten letter and I was like, you inspire me because you gave a, a Latino a chance that not many people give. And I'm hoping that maybe you can give me a chance, whether to be an extra or whatever you may have. And I sent out that letter thinking whatever. And then like two months later, I got a letter back and it was like, hey, got your letter. Please give us a call at this number. And I'm like, what? So oh I, call up, I call up and they're like, hey, yes, uh, Martin told us about you. Uh, come pick up your audition side downtown. So I go downtown. I pick it. I have no idea what it is. I pick it up and I'm reading. She's like, okay, just look it over. You you have tomorrow to um, to go to the uh, audition. Here's the address. I'm like, okay. So I'm looking at it and I look and it says Young Carlito. I'm like, Young Carlito? I guess they're doing like some flashback sequel to... Carlito's way because that's the only thing I could think of and I'm like oh, okay this is probably just like a like a flashback scene that's why he probably gave it to me cool 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 so I'm like amped up I'm like all right so I get to this penthouse you know place in Manhattan and there's all these Al Pacino posters because that's mostly the movies that they produce was like uh what was it? a sea of love Carlito's way scarf like they had all these I'm like wow this is so cool and so like okay uh, he'll be with you in just a second just sit down so I sit down and there's this famous actor that not many people know by name, but by face, you'll kind of know him. He always plays a cop. 
His name was William Forsythe. So he sits right next to me and I'm already freaking out. I'm like, there's this famous guy here. I wrote this letter. Oh my God, this is so crazy. <laughs> He's like, hi, nice to meet you. And I go, nice to meet you. He's like, oh, so what are you here for? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm here for, for uh, young Carlito. He's like, oh, wow, wow. That's the, uh, that's the main part. That's like what this movie's about. And I'm like, what? And he knew that he messed up because he saw my face go from like, I'm super excited to like, I'm freaking the fuck out. And he's like, oh my God, uh, I'm so sorry. I thought you knew that. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. I got to go to the bathroom. He's like, look, I'm really, really sorry. I was like, okay. So I'm like, I go to the bathroom, I'm hyperventilating. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So I go back out. He's not sitting anywhere near me anymore. He's like on the other side of the room. He doesn't want to even look at me. They call me in. I'm like, oh God, this is such a bad time. And I see him, I see his father, who's like the producer at the time. Like he just gives me one look. He sees me, I'm already sweating. And he gives me this look where I even knew he was like, just look down like this is going to be a, a horrible experience. And I'm like, yes, I agree. This is going to be a horrible experience. And he's like, well, if it isn't Anthony who like inspired me with his letter. Wow, man. Like love what you wrote. Can't wait to see what you do with this. And I'm like, freaking out and i bombed like i did i forgot the words i think i even said barlito like i didn't even said my name right like it was just it was super bad and he was like all right man you know thanks for coming in and you know i'll, I'll see you whatever but after i got over that horrible experience um i started to think back and i was like this all came from just seeing john Leguizamo, somebody who was like me and that inspired me to write a letter and it got me a shot to get in there. Sure, I didn't get it. But the fact that that step wouldn't have happened, probably, if I didn't see somebody that was like, hey, that's like, that's me. If he gives him a shot, then then I definitely have a shot. And after mm -hmm. that, I just kind of just went forward. And um, it's funny because years later, me and Mike were actually able to kind of meet John Leguizamo, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to tell him the story. But one day I will. One day I I, I intend to sell, tell him thank you because it, it truly is. It truly, it, it inspired me and it, and it continues to inspire me in my career. So I think that's so cool because first of all, you're a young kid, right? Yeah. And you wrote a letter to someone and mailed it to them. Like you supposed <laughs> like a stand, you used to post <laughs> office to send a letter to someone and they responded With the big and that head. I don't think enough. Yeah. Like, I don't think enough people think to do that because mm. they just feel like it's so unattainable, not realistic. You know, they're just discouraged. They're, they would have think like, they would have thought John Leguizamo had this movie, like I'll never get there, right? But you did your research, you found mm. this, person this person's address and sent mm. them a letter that got you like a tiny, just like a next step into what, you know, the rest of your life is gonna be, which I think is mm -hmm. so incredible. And that taught me the, 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 the value of taking a chance and really kind of making your own luck because yeah. I could have easily just been like, well, one day I'll meet an agent who will give me a shot, who will give me the audition. But I kind of bypassed all of that and was just like, hey, let me just give this a shot. It may not work, but who knows? And it worked. I probably would have been less, less likely to take chances, especially when it came to my career. Um, because I, I, I would have been like, well, it's not possible, but I kind of knew that it was. So I, I kind of take more chances since then because of that. So 
I'm inspired now by you. I'm going to go research some people's <laughs> Handwrite a letter. Handwrite a letter. Put some. <laughs> Thinking about your career and everything that you've done so far, mm-hmm. what kind of impact do you feel that you've made? You know, it's funny, and this is just just came to my mind just talking to you now because there's a lot of stuff that I did with Mike, and again, Mike has been uh, so we 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 help each other, and we like creatively, you know, uh, grow our, our 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 powers per se when we when yeah. we work. But there was this one time that he and I. Uh, created a curriculum for making films for this. And and I don't remember the company. I wish I remember the company, but it was for kids who unfortunately their parents were sent back to their country, but the kids were still here. And so they were kind of in the waiting area to be either stay here with their relatives or go back home with their parents. And so we made this video curriculum where we would teach the kids how to make a film. And when we got there, they it was all Spanish-speaking kids and already going through a tough time in their life. And Mike and I had made this pretty cool curriculum to be like, hey, you can do your own movies and we'll help you do it. You know, we'll help you be creative or how to how to create things. And we helped them tell these stories. Some of these were like personal stories and we, we filmed it. I edited for them and just seeing the difference between like day one and the last day where they would come up to us and be like, wow, you really inspired me or I really want to continue to write. And I really want to, you know, there were kids that when we were there the first day, they seemed very just like kind of out of it, obviously because of what was going on. And then by the yeah. end of the, I think it was like a month, by the end of the month, they were like a little bit happier, a little bit more inspired, a little bit able to just let, let some of those emotions or the things that were going on in their head and just putting it to paper or acting it out or just seeing whatever. And I think out of everything that we did that, that had the most impact for me because it was like straight in our face. Like this is the impact that you can make with just giving somebody a creative outlet that you can help them kind of get to that point. And so to me, even to this day, I, I think about that, that thing that we did with, with those kids. So what advice would you give to either your younger self or future first generation kids who are trying to just like figure their life out? Hmm. I think it's a couple of things not to give up. I feel like there are times where, uh, especially in this business or just in life that there can be a lot of things that happen that just automatically you just kind of want to give up. Like this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to be what I want. And I don't say not to give up, but to pivot. It's good to pivot. It's good to adjust. Like if something isn't happening with what you want, adjust to it. And and maybe what you thought was going to happen one way doesn't work exactly the way that you wanted to. Adjust it so maybe you can still get there or have something new and be okay with trying something new or changing your life to maybe another goal or whatever. Um, and to at least to 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 my younger self would be, uh, to just kind of take it easy. Because <laughs> a, a lot of the times, even now sometimes, obviously now especially, we live in a world where everything is instant, right? Instant gratification, instant mm-hmm. technology. Yeah. Everything is made for your brain to be wired that you do something and something automatically happens. And for me, 
when when me and my friends were growing up, we we're like, we want to be the youngest directors and the, the the youngest actors who ever been there, and we're gonna do it from age eighteen or whatever. And we were rushing, and we were always frustrated when something didn't happen. And I, I, now, just thinking about it, I'm like, oh my god, number one, what the hell are you thinking? Like, <laughs> this it, it needs time. So take your time with it. And if something's not happening right away, just take a breath and just be like, it's it's you're working, you're building, you're you're planting. Just be patient, be patient with it and just keep at it. So don't rush. <laughs> don't rush. Take your time. Every day there's a step, whether if it's half a step, a full step, five step is like you're working towards there and just just keep going. It's okay. You'll you'll get there. Obviously, you don't want to I, I think what that kind of ties into is like people are afraid to be thought as lazy or themselves as lazy. And there's a difference between being lazy and just working with your circumstances. And I think sometimes people don't cut themselves slack to be like, hey, I got circumstances. I might have to take half a step today as opposed to five. And I think that that's something tying it all back to my parents is there were times where their English was limited and they had these moments where they had to backtrack or couldn't do anything. And they still had to kind of work through it and figure out how to make it happen. It might have taken them years, but they still kind of pushed through all that. And I think that's where kind of that mentality comes from, where it's just like, you're not lazy. You're just adjusting. It's fine. (laughs) 